0: Well, it's a brand new year, and maybe 2023 will bring, I don't know, a little bit of optimism to the good fans of Detroit. It's been a while. They were hoping for some better things in 2022, but they took a few steps back. But Scott Bentley of Locked On Tigers is here to say whether or not 2023 might bring around something a little better. This is Locked On MLB
1: you are locked on mlb your daily mlb podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Lockdown Pockets Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been podcasting for well over the last decade, and I'm now beginning my fifth year. This will be my fifth season. Uh, as a host here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, you can follow the show at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to all the places you subscribe to to listen to your podcast, and be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB. Or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including and as always, I pick these totally at random. Locked on Tigers with Scott Bentley, and oh my goodness, by a complete coincidence, sitting in the waiting room, let's just, just get right to it, the host of the Locked on Tigers podcast, uh, our old friend coming back, welcome back, Scott Bentley.
1: Um I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh it's been a minute. I'm I'm sure the last time you and I spoke there was a little bit more optimism on my end. Actually, I think the last time was probably about Miguel Carrera. So maybe that was a fun episode, yeah. I think.
0: Well, yeah, and um you know, I get accused of of bias. Well, I get accused. I get, everyone thinks I'm against their team. Everybody. <laughs> I, and, and I and I want to just state and I think this is important. I have the official locked on tablet here and I this is just for um legal purposes. Uh, as a host of the Locked On Podcast Network, it, I legally have to inform you, the viewers, that I am indeed biased against your specific team. Whichever team you listen to, I'm against them and have a po- pathological hatred towards them. And I'm always clearly rooting for the other team. So uh, I have to say that that is part of, you're right. Everyone who says that I'm biased, and I uh, um, I cannot be objective. And as those Astros fans who accuse me of having a pathological hatred for the Astros, even though I rooted for them in the 2021 and 2022 World mm-hmm. Series, back-to-back years, I wanted them to win the World Series. And that is a sign of pathology of my hatred of them. Uh, I've been accused of ignoring the Tigers. Um, and from when our conversation we had before we hit record on this, Uh, ignoring the Tigers probably would have been a good thing to do last year. Uh, Scott, what happened? This year was supposed to be a step forward for them.
1: Yeah, it it really was. Uh, It was certainly a a very disappointing season. I think when you look around baseball and you try to, I don't really like ranking things too often, but if you were to try and, and talk about the teams that had the most disappointing seasons, I think, Right after you get past, like the Giants and the White Sox are probably at the top of that list, and then in that tier right below them, you're probably having a conversation about the Tigers. That it was a it was a really really frustrating season. Uh, there were some bright spots on the pitching side of things, but uh, this was legitimately, depending on what stats you look at, one of the worst offenses in modern baseball history, and yes. uh, that is why we found ourselves where we're at the bottom of baseball yet again for uh, where we've been for a majority of the last uh, six years at this point.
0: I mean, for, I mean, for people who haven't been following the Tigers over the last, you know, in the, uh, uh, the post uh, Miguel, you know, the, the post Jim Leland years, yep. um, they were, they hovered right around 500 in 2021 with the exception of April. They yep. lost uh, they start the season eight and nineteen. It was an absolute calamity out of the out of the gate. Um, but they had a winning May. They had a winning June. They had a winning July and a winning September. And they were just barely under five hundred in August. And for you and for me, you could see, hey, look at that's the majority of the year they were above five hundred by a game or so. It just was so skewed because of the disastrous start that they wound up with a losing record, but it was a, you and I were both of the mindset of, Hey, this is a team. That's no longer a punching bag. No longer people circling that on the the schedule as if to say, okay, here's an easy two wins in a, in a three game set. And man, the, the, the optimism and they picked up bias. They picked up Rodriguez, the optimism, Optimism just went away right away with another disastrous April, except they kept having disastrous months after that.
1: Right. Yeah, no, there, there was no, there was no rebound month for sure. And, and yeah, you know, this is a, a, like you said, a team that after last season, a lot of people had a lot of optimism towards and then went out and, and uh, did spend some money and, and, you know, we can debate the, the allocation of funds all we want, but at the end of the day, this was a team that that j- finished just under five hundred on the season, and in the off added two of the top five prospects in baseball in Torkelson and Green, Austin Meadows, who was traded for right before the season started, and Baez, Erod, and I guess you can throw Tucker Barnhart in there. Like this is yeah. a team that was just under five hundred and added like six impact players, and uh, then the season rolled around, and, and it was. One of the most honestly unbelievable is the word. I, I've never seen anything like it in the sense of every single hitter on the team had like their career worst season outside of like Eric Haas, and that's pretty much it. Um, and it was a whole lineup of below league average hitters, and, and we had everyday players with OPS's in the 500s, and then. Like we had a ton of injuries and like off the field stuff where where you know players weren't playing for months on end and uh, you know not even injury related just like stopped playing like in, in Eduardo Rodriguez's case and like it, it just it, it was it was unbelievable it was I've I've never seen anything like it it, it was uh, truly a a historic season for all of the wrong reasons uh, and especially as you said highlighted on the offensive side of the ball it was. Just absolutely dreadful. Just, just no offense for 162 games.
0: Yeah, it really is
1: astonishing.
0: Like, look at—I know that Camarica. It's still Camarica, right? Yep. They changed. Oh, sta- yeah. Okay, they changed stadium names so fast. <laughs> I wind up saying it's Safeco. No, no, it's actually right, D- yeah. it's Cricket Wireless or whatever. Um, yeah, I have a, I'm a I'm, I have BaseballReference.com, single greatest website the history of the planet Earth. I have their 2022 stats up there Haas is the only everyday player who had an OPS over 700 and an OPS plus in the triple digits yeah uh, uh you know, caveat Riley Green's OPS plus was at 99 so that, that's tapping on but still when when you're having to say hey he almost was league average you know that that's that's grotesque and you know just I mean one of the amazing things about this team is if you if you're into traditional stats, you know if you want batting averages, those are low. You want home run totals? The 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 <laughs> Baez led the team with 17. If you're still counting RBI, uh, nobody busted 70. Uh, if you're into the more if you're into more of the Sabre Met- Metrics world, I brought up the OPS plus, where one player was above the league average. If you're into if you're into WAR. Uh, I mean, I know some of my listeners are the only two players busted to war the entire year and no one got to the right side of three. And that's the whole team. And this is the thing that I just I just look at it like, yes, you can see one or two players regress. OK, one or two players may come back. you had the whole team. Right.
1: Yeah. that And that that was the, the it was. It was literally every single player, uh, again, outside of Eric Haas, had the worst year of their career. And uh, some of that I I think people are are banking on. I'm sure we'll talk about 2023 here in a sec, but I, I think some people are banking on like some of those players kind of bouncing back a little bit. but. Uh, it, it was it was remarkable for all the wrong reasons. I mean, everyone had a career bad year, and then the the prospects on the offensive side of the ball, like, like Green and Torkelson, You know, Green Green wasn't bad, uh, and, and then Torgelson like got demoted halfway through the season and spent two months in AAA. He he was right. dreadful at the plate, and um, that's like one of the supposed to be one of the best college hitters, you know, like of recent memory. Like it, it just. Uh, again, there was a few things on the pitching side of the ball that, that did go well, and I think the team deserves a ton of credit with that and, and developmentally deserves a lot of credit because there's some youth too. But offensively, it, it really was a Murphy's lost season. It was everything that could have possibly have gone wrong hit not only went wrong but was in its worst-case
0: scenario form. Well, look, at what they did is they they gambled. I mean, they gambled on something. They gambled that the The fact that they had a, were hovering around 500 for most of the season last year, and you make a few improvements there, they, you know they thought, you know the odds were in their favor, and they bet on this team to be a little better. And the, you know it did not every bet works out, and I can tell you that not every bet works out because I find myself often at Bet Online, which remains the number one spot for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the National College Football Championship coming up, to basketball, both pro and college, and the NHL. They got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, if you're listening to us in the middle of January, I'm guessing you do, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. You didn't know that was the theme. That was great. We're here with Scott Bentley of Locked On Tigers, um, doing an autopsy on the the death of the Detroit Tigers. Hinch is still there as manager. Who the hell was the All Star candidate in? Who was the All Star uh, um, representative? Is I guess the word. it's been Gregory Soto for two years in a row. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense because he actually did have a good year. Yeah,
1: so, well, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's probably excuse yeah me, he's probably I I would be pretty confident in saying he is the second most controversial player on the entire roster, only behind probably Javi Baez. And the the reason for that is just because he, uh, he he's one of those like. He's just one of those like stereotypical closers that is really good in save situations and really not good in every other situation. And he also has like a six walk per nine, and people just can't stand the fact that he can't throw strikes sometimes. Yeah. So yeah he he had a he, he had a a solid year I guess I would say, but uh, I think people were expecting a lot more from him this year as well. Like people always kind of make fun of the fact that he was our representative this year, honestly. So. Yeah, all around, just a <laughs> a heck of a season
0: up north. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at I. I don't really look at wins and losses. I don't think, especially the way we handle pitching staffs now, they tell you virtually nothing. Yeah, but it is a little bit of a red flag when your closer's record is two and eleven. I mean, yeah,
1: he, he's the oh man. I wish I could remember the stat off the top of my head. I think he was. It was a very small number of closers in recent memory one of like fill in the blank amount really small number that had over double digit losses and 30 saves I think so yeah that's that's the kind of that's the kind of a pitcher that Gregory Soto is yeah I look
0: at I've I have virtually I have virtually no value in the save stat I think it tells you very little you know I mean if you're winning five to two when you let up two home runs and get the final out, you get a save, you know, I mean, I mean, you could have legitimately bad outings and, and still wind up with a save. I think that there are other metrics you can use to determine the effectiveness of a reliever, which is one of the reasons why I was like, you know, Francona uh, of Cleveland and earlier of Boston seemed to ignore what I call the tyranny of the save, which was sometimes managing where, hey, it's the seventh thing, I bring my best reliever right now. Right. And instead of being like, you know, I remember there was one specific year where Matt Williams was managing the Nationals in an elimination game, and he didn't bring in some of his best relievers during a Giants rally, because he said, "Well, he's you know this guy's our sixth inning guy. This guy's our seventh. No, the season's on the line. Bring you yeah, your best. We, yeah, but, yeah. We had a lot of that with with
1: actually. You mentioned him earlier. We had a lot of that with Jim Leland. We had a lot of like this is the seventh inning guy, no matter what kind of a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and look what happened. I mean, the Tigers had really one of the uh, had a Atlanta Braves of the '90s level starting rotation. Yep. in the 2010s, and one that stretch with Jim Leland, they won one World Series game. Yep. And, I mean, I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound, but it just seemed like every single year it was the same issue, which was there's no closer. I mean, think yeah. about the, the think. I mean, Verlander and Scherzer obviously won Cy Young's with the team. You know, Price was there for an hour and a half and he had been a Cy Young Award winner. Porcello went on to win a Cy Young Award. Robbie Ray went on to win a Cy Young Award. I mean, the the number... I mean, that doesn't even count. Like, Annabelle Sanchez and some of the other pitchers who were really... Annabelle had an ERA title in Detroit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, think of... I mean, all these remarkable pitchers, like, you know, old-school workhorses plus a Hall of Famer's prime. Yeah. And... You know they're always winning. We're always winning the division, and yet, how many times was it? You know the revolving door of closers uh, that just you know we'd stop talking about '84 if there were if if there was if they had if they had a, a semi decent closer in 2013. Those two Max Scherzer starts, which the Red Sox hit grand slams yeah. off of the bullpen, we remember those that Tiger team would have clobbered the Cardinals in the World Series. I I would like to think so. Yeah, no,
1: I I mean, I argue with anybody that I think the the 2013 Tigers roster, there is no team in baseball in the year 2013 that wouldn't have traded our entire roster for their entire roster. And I think it's one of the more talented teams to, to not win a ring. And yet,
0: remember who won the ALCS MVP that year? Was Uehara, which in Correct. the end that was the difference. Correct. Yeah. No. Exactly. And so I, I, I think that,
1: um, and, and you know, like that was, uh, that was a really big Dombrowski stereotype for a while. Was just like he can do everything except build the bullpen. And, uh, yeah. That I mean, that team. It, it really, it wasn't even closer specifically. Really, in the postseason, it was just the no. entire bullpen. I mean, uh, in in twenty twelve. The final out of the ALCS uh, was like still Phil Coke, Coke yeah, right. Coke. Like Phil Coke is slamming his glove on the ground and right and uh, and whatnot. Like it, it was just uh, like you said, it was really a, a revolving door in the pen there for a while. Especially like after Valverde, like he had one really amazing year and then he tailed off. And Benoit had a couple of really good years and then tailed off. It was there was just no
0: consistency. I guess is really the way to put it. Yeah, I think that the year – now, granted, I'm going to bring up a year. And Astros fans, please listen to me closely. The 2018 Red Sox did a lot of cheating. There's a lot of shenanigans. They should. There's a black cloud hanging over that title. Those who say I never bring that up. But in terms of the pitching side of it, I think that people should watch what Cora did with the pitching staff because he leaned on – he had starters coming out of the bullpen. He had Porcello yeah. coming out of the bullpen. Right. He had Price coming out of the bullpen. Yovaldi pitched like six shutout innings out of the bullpen. Right. Yeah, We're finally news. letting up a home run, but he was used effectively out of the bullpen. He used Sale out of the bullpen. Sale pitched a critical inning out of the bullpen at Yankee Stadium and then through the clinching pitch of the World Series. He did not care what someone's role was. He said, right now I need my best pitcher here. And I can't help but think when you had a – a staff that was as ludicrously deep as the as some of those Tiger pitching staffs. If Leland had done a few things like, do you want? Screw it. Let's bring Verlander in. Screw it. Let's bring it, you know this player in or that player in. Yeah. You know, because at this moment that pitcher is the best pitcher available. I can't help but think one of those years things would have clicked instead yeah. of you know everyone going by the, their slots.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he brought Scherzer out of the pen for one game in the ALDS, and uh, it was like a bases loaded jam. And then Scherzer got out of it without giving up a run, and it was incredible. And it's like a very uh, fond moment in in Tiger's lore. And then like that, they were like, "Yeah, that worked really well. We're not doing it anymore." <laughs> like that was just it. Yeah, it was. It was especially. Again, like during the Leland era, especially. I mean, he he had his his relievers had to have you know you're this
0: inning, you're this inning, and that was just how it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm 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 looking. We're here with Scott Bentley. I'm not here to pour salt in any wounds right now. <laughs> um, the thing that I think must be frustrating for for Tiger fans is their pitching staff isn't bad. You know, they, it's like you've done the hard part. You know, I mean, this is not Scherzer, Verlander, Porcello again, but it's not bad and they're young and you're looking at it. There are, there, there, there is still uh potential for this team to pitch well. And you think that you would think it would be easier to get a few decent bats in there and hand the ball to an okay pitching staff, especially when you saw that last year Minnesota wound up collapsing down the stretch and Chicago had a disappointing season. Um, this was a – I don't want to say they would have won the division, but it certainly wasn't a powerhouse, a powerhouse division. You know, this would be a year to have taken a step at least closer to 500 instead of regressing back to – what did they lose, 97 games? Was it yeah. – uh, Ninety six games. Sorry, I gave them. I gave him one more loss than they had. Um, all right. This is uh, what should they do? They haven't made any big acquisitions or anything yet, um, although uh, we are recording this ahead of time. So I just assume Carlos Correa has been signed by three more teams since <laughs> we've uh, started recording this. And maybe the Tigers were one of them. Um, but uh, what have they done? What should they do? And God, what should this, what should their plan be?
1: Well, uh, first off, we can talk about the moves they have made. They've made uh, three moves at the major league level. There's been some roster, uh, some waiver claims, rather, and uh, there's been some minor league deals. But the only major league moves they've made all offseason were uh, bringing in Matthew Boyd back uh, on a one year deal. And then they signed Michael Lorenzen to a one year deal. And then they traded Joe Jimenez to the Atlanta Braves, which is a great situation for him, and got a pair of prospects in return. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy, the hitting prospect that they got back, the Tigers are really, really excited about. He walks a ton and and is a pretty darn good hitter.
0: Wait, was Boyd not on the team last year?
1: No, so he got non-tendered after 2021. Right. Got signed by the Giants last year, but got signed with an injury. He had pretty okay. So he didn't play, right? Right. He didn't play pitch a single inning for the Giants, but then they traded him at the deadline as a part of another deal to seattle and with seattle he did pitch like 13 or 14 innings out of the bullpen for seattle down
0: the stretch i have zero memory of that well i I
1: don't think very many people outside of maybe those three fan bases really do but well i um, i
0: feel the giants and the mariners pretty closely i would but yeah i just like when you said they brought back matthew boyd i quickly scrolled over to so wait a minute he's he was a tiger right yeah, and, uh,
1: he, uh, gone for, gone for one single calendar year. And then, yeah, right back with, a with, a with a one-year deal, I guess. So my
0: apologies to the Boyd family for not, uh, keeping tabs of your, your loved one closer. Uh, I was under the impression if you, know what if, if, if you would put a million dollars in front of me and said, what team does Matthew Boyd play for? I'd say, I got it. <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> And I guess technically I'd be right. Well, Still, yeah, now uh, you're right. Yeah, now I'm right, but I would. Right. A month ago, you wouldn't have been right. Yeah, I, I, that you know what? I I I had no clue that he was. I just assumed. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he must have been had an off year with Detroit.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely the injury. I think that that threw yeah. a lot
0: of people off because he didn't pitch
1: until I want to say August, um, for like the first time all year. So. Did he, oh, but yeah, that, Did he
0: play in Did he play the playoffs? I would.
1: Argue. Yeah. Well, I don't know which
0: series, but he definitely was on the playoff roster for one of them. Yeah. Wow. I boy, and I I was excited for that Mariners team. Um. Uh. Like, boy. This I don't is... remember if he had any appearances, but I know okay, he was on the I, roster I, in one of the series. Yeah. I'm doing the the scene from Dirty Harry where the guy says, "I gots to know." Yeah. He played seven years with. Uh. He was part of the 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 David Price trade, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so it was David Price to Toronto for Daniel Norris, who was, like, one of the best pros- pitching prospects in baseball at the time, and then Matthew Boyd was, like, the lesser prospect, and now Matthew Boyd is what Matthew Boyd is, and Daniel Norris is what Daniel Norris is.
0: Well, he pitched a third of an inning in the playoffs, I'm assuming in that 18-inning marathon. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I pitched two innings in that game. Right, of course. Wow, who knew? All right, look, look at that. Look at that. I I don't want to pull a Johnny Carson, but I did not know that. I <laughs> right. did not know that. So
1: Yeah, so the, the, that's it. So the only moves they've made so far are pitching moves. Like they brought in two more starters on one-year deals, and then they traded away a reliever. And so they have not made a single, at the time of this recording, not one single offensive acquisition has been made at the major league level yet. And this was again, one of the worst offenses I've ever laid my eyes on. So like that, that's certainly I a, a, I don't want to say a red flag. Like this is first year uh, for Scott Harris, the new president of baseball ops. Like this is his first year here. I'm, I'm sure that he, he's more or less just kind of like seeing what he has. And they have gotten rid of like 15 or 16 players from the 40 man, just since the season started. So it's not like that. There hasn't been a lot of turnover, but uh, it, it's. I, I think people's patience is just running thin. Like this, we we we're. we're <laughs> it's been it's been a long road. It's been a long <laughs> yeah. road for this team, and so uh, I, I think a lot of people are just trying to look at. We don't have a third baseman at, at yep. right now. Like we just don't have one, so that's certainly something that they still need to address. Um, and then all five or six of their outfielders are all pure lefties. So they want to get a right-handed outfielder. And then like seven of eight or eight of nine of their infielders that are on the 40 man are all pure righties. So I know that they want a left-handed infielder as well. So just like some more stuff, but I, I don't expect a, a, I think they're banking a lot in 2023 on the offensive side of the ball on some people that had career down years, regressing back up and like to the mean and then uh just giving some some young bats some opportunities and they added five prospects at the non-tender uh deadline so um they're at the the protect from the rule five draft deadline they added five prospects in that so i'm I'm sure they're going to give a lot of young players opportunities and uh yeah i I think if they're going to do ever anything it's going to have to be via a trade because they have like eight or nine starting pitchers currently on their roster. And right. uh, they haven't made any bat moves, like I said. So I, I think a lot of people are trying to maybe kind of look at the starting pitching room and go like, one of you should probably get traded for a bat at this point. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what the off season's been so far.
0: Yeah. And I just wonder if like, you know, you get to this point when you have some people who are like established major leaguers floating around looking for a gig and maybe having a, you know, just sticking a professional hitter in the lineup, not saying that Trey Mancini or Evan Longoria are no longer all stars in their prime, but maybe just having, Oh, there's a name I effing recognize. Maybe there's just something like maybe just having someone who's kind of been there, done that in, you know, in a higher level where you can sort of say, okay, we'll, we'll give them a shot. And maybe, you know, those are just two names right now or two players who, you know, are, have had wonderful careers and everything, and they they're no longer at the top of their game. But you're not asking you're not going to sign them to a Correa like contract. It was, a, it was probably a one year deal, and maybe I don't know. Just I, and I I had this same conversation with Peter uh, from Locked On Marlins because it's another team that has yeah. good pitching, but right. they can't hit. I said maybe bring a couple of professional hitters in there. Maybe they'll rub off on some of the other players, and maybe adding another run the game when you have a young pitching staff. Maybe you'll build up some of their confidence and build up some of their ability to go through. I don't know. I mean, again, the two that just came to mind were you know Longoria and Mancini. Again, it's, we're not talking about bringing in Aaron Judge or Carlos Correa yeah. here, but those those neither one of them will be longer than one year. And maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, I hate to bring this year up again, but the 2013 Red Sox were up and down filled with, I oh, will take a flyer in Napoli. We'll take, they, they acted like Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack going into the, uh, the pro club. I'll get a Mike Napoli there, a Shane Victorino there, a couple of Steven Drews over here. And all of a sudden, I mean, that was the ultimate example of that working. But, you know, you're, you're trying to get this team to 500. You saw what happened with Baltimore this year. When Baltimore had their young players, they finally brought them up, and suddenly there was a little bit of juice going on in Baltimore. They didn't win a, a, a wild-card spot, but and they're really ticking off their fans right now because they're they're, they're sitting out this offseason. Right. I thought they were going to be in on Correa. But um, at least there was a reason to go to the effing ballpark. And, you know, you can't just keep – you know, the, the Tigers and the Angels are on the two longest postseason drought streaks. Yeah. Is that a word? Drought streak? Yeah, postseason drought. drought. Uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's, been, a it's right. been a while. It's been a yeah, while. No, it's been a while. 2014.
1: 2014 is, is uh yeah, the, the last one for, for both of us. It's um, yeah. missed the playoffs by like a game in 2016, and ever since then, the rebuild started in 2017 and we haven't really been outside of the, the little, you know, past second half of last year, after April of last year, it's, it's pretty much been in the bottom ever since 2017. And yeah, that, you know, 2023 will obviously be six years removed that six, seven years. So people's patience is really running thin and and there's a new like top guy in charge, right? Like Scott Harris is new. And I think the honeymoon phase kind of, Wore off pretty quickly when people realized that we weren't going to get any of these free agents. But uh, uh, you know, yeah, at least he has an identity. He, he is a big, you know. I, I want dudes that that walk a lot, and he's all about dominating the strike zone and stuff. And so we'll uh, we'll see. But it, it's it's definitely a new era, which is at least refreshing given the previous regime. But there is still a, an unbelievable amount of work to do for a team that has been
0: rebuilding for. Seven years now. So happy new year, everyone. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, look at, hey, thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. For your second listen, make it Locked On Tigers. But for your third listen, check out Locked On Sports Today for the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, we're here with Scott Bentley. Of locked on tigers, tell people where they can listen to your show.
1: You can listen to the show on
0: well any app, YouTube,
1: etc. Just locked on tigers. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bentley Scotty, and I have the links to all of my stuff in in uh, on my Twitter. And then the tigers account Twitter is at Locked On Tigers. Believe it or not, and yeah, wherever you get your
0: podcast, YouTube, etc. All right, and you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast and subscribe to us on the YouTubes where you can see our faces, not just be a voice in your ear. I like one of my favorite uh comments I ever got was on YouTube, which was I've always listened to Sully, I've never known what he looks like, and now I know it. Eh. So nothing <laughs> nice. makes me feel better nor more handsome than to know that the my yeah. visage gets people to say, eh, saying, eh, about the Detroit Tigers and their prospects going into 2023, who knows, this could be a good year for them, maybe, maybe, let's hope, that's Scott Bentley, the host of Locked on Tigers, thanks for being my guest for today, I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan of Locked on MLB, please call me Sully.